21st of February 2021. Becky Mills speaking on What can we do about our CO2? Today we're relaunching our Lenten Carbon Fast for creation. It was put together last year by the Christchurch Eco Action Group to help us respond to the climate emergency. We ran through three weeks of the fast last year before the first lockdown and we thought it was wise to postpone the delivery of the rest as the pandemic was forefront in all our minds. We hope you feel you now have some headspace to focus on this as we become more and more resigned to the fact that the pandemic isn't going to go away anytime soon. And in a sense, there's an even bigger emergency that threatens us, the future of our planet. Many of us have had more time on our hands in the past year, and perhaps we have a lot of us been busy with various activities at home. Maybe we're even running out of projects to tackle, and this might give us something fresh to focus on. So basically, we're rerunning our talks from last year with a few minor adjustments. We hope the daily tasks on the calendar will be great fun, as well as thought-provoking, and help us make some long-lasting changes to our lifestyles and the impact we have on our planet. So our first talk I've called, What Can We Do About Our CO2? You say you love your children above all else, and yet you are stealing their future in front of their very eyes. That's a quote from our climate change global superstar, Greta Thunberg. When she first heard about the climate crisis, she panicked. She lost so much weight, it stunted her growth. She persuaded her family to go vegan, stop flying and buy an electric car. But it wasn't enough for Greta. In 2018, she started the school strike for climate protests, promoting hashtag Fridays for Future alongside millions of schoolchildren and now adults across the globe, demanding urgent transformative action to save the planet from environmental catastrophe. The introduction of lockdown measures and social distancing has ruled out the possibility of major in-person protests. But Greta and her fellow activists have concentrated their efforts on digital activism, holding mass video calls and events, and launching online campaigns to persuade governments to reduce their emissions. When we get scary messages from climate change activists, how do we react? Is it too distant, too remote to bother us? Do we switch off from it because we don't feel that we can do ourselves anything that will have an impact? Do we deny it's happening and cheer ourselves up by thinking about something else? Do we feel guilty, lose sleep over it? Or do we concentrate on doing something positive to make a difference? We need to lose less sleep over it and act not just to safeguard the future of God's earth, our children's and our grandchildren's future, but for people in low-income countries who are suffering the effects of climate change right now and have done the least to deserve it. How many of you have given up chocolate or alcohol, cakes or biscuits for Lent in the past? I'm not saying these things are bad in themselves. Better to give up something than nothing at all, like me. I've rarely successfully given up anything in Lent. But what sort of fasting does God require of us? 
In Isaiah 58, he doesn't seem impressed with people bowing their heads like bent reeds and lying around in sackcloth and ashes. In Isaiah 58, 67, God says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? God wants freedom and justice for people who are oppressed, hungry and destitute, and he wants us to safeguard our families. I think this passage and Matthew 23 that we also heard read tie in beautifully with our Lenten fast for creation. We think of ourselves far too frequently just as individuals separated from one another, whereas we're connected and what we do affects not only the future of our families, but the whole world. Loving our neighbour is all about our connectedness with humanity, especially different ethnic groups in climate-vulnerable communities. They are oppressed by the effects of the developing world's relentless pursuit of economic growth, which leaves them hungry, dispossessed and displaced in their thousands. Since the 18th century, meteorologists have been monitoring and recording the weather. These records show that the Earth's atmosphere is beginning to get warmer, which is causing our weather patterns and our climate in the different zones over the world to change. A bit of revision for most of you, I expect. So why is the Earth getting warmer? What is going on? The sun obviously plays an important role in deciding the Earth's climate. Most sunlight passes through the atmosphere and warms the Earth. The atmosphere is the layer of gases surrounding the Earth. Most of the heat surrounding the Earth escapes into outer space. This cools the Earth. But some of this heat is trapped by gases in the atmosphere and this reduces the cooling effect. These gases act like a blanket letting in sunlight but trapping the heat it produces. These gases include carbon dioxide or CO2 and methane. This process is called the greenhouse effect. A greenhouse is made of glass, allowing sunlight to pass through and warm the air and plants inside. The heat that isn't absorbed by plants is trapped by the glass and can't escape. Throughout daylight hours, sunlight keeps coming through the glass, adding more and more heat energy, so the inside gets warmer and warmer, and continues to stay warm after the sun sets. A greenhouse is so successful at growing plants all year round, even when it's too cold outside for some plants to stay alive. How? Because the air inside the greenhouse naturally stays warmer than the air outside. The process that warms the planet works in a similar way to a greenhouse. That is putting the whole process in very simple terms, of course, but it helps us understand the problem. The best available climate science claims that most of the warming in the last hundred years comes from increased gases like carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere, so we call them greenhouse gases. These gases are naturally in the air around us, 
but our everyday activities have increased the amount of these gases. It's not just a question of the climate getting warmer, though. Some places will get colder. There will be more storms and violent weather patterns, and the weather will become less predictable. So what are all the activities that have increased the amount of greenhouse gases? See if you can match the human activity to the percentage of greenhouse gas emissions. Here are the answers. Did you have some surprises? I was quite surprised that agriculture contributes more to global warming than industry. But the overall picture is that the burning of fossil fuels for heat, electricity, production of goods, transport, buildings and other energy contributes the most. We have to feed the world, don't we? And producing staples like rice in lower income countries is essential unlike luxury foods like a daily portion of meat or fish that people are used to in the developing world. So, electricity and heat production, 25%. The burning of coal, natural gas and oil for electricity and heat is the largest single source of global greenhouse gas emissions. Next is agriculture, 24%. The cultivation of crops and livestock and deforestation. Next is industry, 21%. Fossil fuels burned in factories for energy and production of goods. Next is transport, 14%. Fossil fuels burned for transport by road, rail, air and ship. Almost all the world's transportation energy comes from petrol and diesel. Next, building, 6%. Fossil fuels burned for heat in buildings or cooking in homes. And lastly, Fossil bur fuels burned for other energy, 10%. Nearly everything we do releases some amount of CO2 into the atmosphere. Our carbon footprint. The size of our carbon footprint depends on a huge number of factors. We can increase or decrease our carbon footprint with our everyday choices. For example, the food we buy needs energy to work the machinery to help it grow, to harvest it, to package it and transport it to where you bought it from. Then more energy is used when we cook that food, which adds even more to our carbon footprint. How does our carbon footprint compare with other nations in the world? Can you match the carbon footprint per person with the country? There are nine. Here are the answers. I've written the countries in ranking order, so the country with the biggest carbon footprint per person, the United Arab Emirates with 27.1, is in the top left-hand corner. Did anyone guess that? The next slide shows us clearly which countries are responsible for the increase in CO2. Most people think China and India are most responsible. But when you calculate it per capita, you can see that in terms of our lifestyle, we are more responsible for the increase in CO2 than China and way more responsible than India. The destructive effects of climate change are everywhere. In 2020, Europe saw its warmest year on record 
at 1.6 degrees above the 1981 to 2010 average. Arctic sea ice shrank to its second lowest summer extent in the 42-year satellite record. Flash floods in Jakarta, Indonesia, left 66 dead and displaced 60,000 in the worst flooding in the area since 2007. A cyclone displaced 3 million people in India and Bangladesh and claimed at least 88 lives. The Three Gorges Dam in China, the world's biggest dam, is at risk of collapse amid historic floods. That would put more than 400 million people's lives at risk. A huge cloud of Saharan dust moved from Africa over the Atlantic Ocean and darkens the skies over parts of the Caribbean. The air pollution it causes reducing life expectancy in the areas it touches. Despite all the destruction, all the massive loss of lives and livelihoods in low-income countries and the 11% reduction in carbon emissions during the pandemic, CO2 levels continue to rise. If we have not taken dramatic action within the next decade, we could face irreversible damage to God's world and the collapse of our societies. The goal the world needs to achieve is net zero emissions by 2050. Persuading governments to sign up to this goal is the main aim of the United Nations climate change talks the UK is hosting in November. That means that with, for example, planting trees and other technologies and schemes to reduce CO2, we will be balancing CO2 emissions with carbon removal. As always, our response as Christians is shaped for us by the Bible. In the Gospel of Matthew, an expert in the law asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The climate crisis we are facing is a symptom of our failure to love God and to love our neighbour. Our calling is to see creation through God's eyes. Before God created humans, he saw that his creation was good. Taking responsibility for the climate crisis is a crucial part of honouring the planet as a good gift from God. Jesus said it is our second most important duty and responsibility to love our neighbour. Climate change causes extreme weather which tears down homes, destroys crops, displaces hundreds of thousands of people and forces children out of schools that are damaged or have become evacuation centres. Lower income countries don't have the means to build defences against extreme weather. We need a vision for understanding how to honour God by caring for his creation and loving our neighbours. Not only our geographical neighbours, but our global neighbours. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We must take action because we have the power to. We must love our neighbour because it's our calling. And we must challenge ourselves to grapple with the science and the truth of the situation because we are of sound mind. 
The carbon fast is a brilliant way of showing that we love and honour God and our neighbour. We have to be willing to cross political, racial, cultural and social barriers when we see someone with a need and have the resources to meet that need. It's not enough to just see the need and have compassion. We have to follow through with action. So often when we seek to love people, we start off with good intentions, but we struggle to follow through. When we love God with all our strength, we will follow through in our commitment by doing whatever it takes. Print out your hard copy of the Carbon Fast calendar today. There is a link on the website to the event page for the Carbon Fast, which is www.bit.ly forward slash CCNM Lent 2021. The first week is a week of preparation to help us understand and galvanise us into action. We'll be discovering our own individual carbon footprint and thinking about how we can reduce it. We'll be getting powered up for climate justice and praying for those most affected by it. We will be committing ourselves to the Lenten fast and encouraging our family and friends to take part too. You can write your own pledge or use a ready-done one and be photographed and posted on our social media channels. You can use hashtag CCNMLent2021 and join in the conversation with other Christchurch members and their families and friends. Find out how others are doing with their daily challenges. So, what can we do about our CO2? There are masses of ideas on the Lenten Fast for Creation calendar. Each week has a different theme, waste, energy, food, water and nature. Completing all these challenges will help us understand and galvanise us into action. Creation is God's gift for us to enjoy. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Psalm 96 says, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Don't steal this wonderful vision from your children, your grandchildren or your neighbours. Act now.